Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode, and today's discussion is about a serious topic. But before we get into it, let's say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we learn more of what He would have us to do. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for everything that you do for us. We appreciate all of the blessings that you give to us. Lord, help us to refine our characters to be more like you and less like the world. Lord, we want to be in heaven with you. And in order to do that, we need to give up the things in the world that hold us so tight. Lord, help us be willing to surrender all to you. Help us to be willing to sacrifice when necessary, whether that means giving money or giving clothes or food or whatever it might be, even our time. Lord, help us to be willing to do what you would have us to do and not what we want ourselves to do. Lord, thank you so much for giving us a work to do down here to win souls for you. Help us to be an encouragement to those around us and help us to be a light that shines in the darkness. And we ask all these things in your wonderful, precious, holy son's name. Amen. All right. So today I want to talk about a very important subject called greediness and selfishness, which is basically the same thing. When we are greedy, we are being selfish and you can be selfish with more than just your money. You can be selfish with your time and the things that you do and with objects that you have. It's common enough. We have something. We like it. We want it. We don't want anybody else to have it. But what does the Bible have to say about greed and selfishness? Well, let's find out, shall we? The first verse I want to read is 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money is the root of all evil. It gets us in trouble. When we have an abundance of it, we want to just spend, spend, spend. And sometimes the things that we spend it on are not important things at all, just things that we want or things that make us happy. And sometimes it's not exactly the right thing to do. I mean, what about all of the orphans that are hungry? And what about people who need food and shelter? You know, some of those funds could be used to help people. But more often than not, we tend to think about ourselves first instead of the needs of others. And while I'm not saying that buying something is necessarily wrong, it's just that we could use our funds in a better way. We don't need to be wasteful. We need to think before we purchase something. Thanksgiving has just passed us. And that means Black Friday has come and gone. So with that, many people have rushed to the stores to get on those good deals and just buy, buy, buy. Now, they might need some of the things that they buy and get good deals on. And that's okay. But it's when you spend and spend and spend needlessly that makes it so wrong. Or when we love money more than we love God. So it's not too late to take some of the items that you might not need back to the store and instead use that money to help others who are in need, who need food and clothes and shelter and things like that. And it's worth repeating over and over again because we often wrap ourselves in this bubble and forget about the struggles that humanity can have. And that's a pit that all of us have fallen into at one time or another. And it's always good to be reminded that there are others out there who have need. And instead of purchasing something unnecessarily just because we want it, we might 
might be able to put that off until another time and help those less fortunate. Now, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. This is a beautiful promise that the Lord has given to us. So we need to watch our conversation that it's not all about ourselves and about what we want, but we need to be content sometimes with the things that we have and then see what we can do for others, as I've said before. And it says in Luke 12, 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. We need to be careful because our treasure is not here down on this earth. It's up in heaven. That is the treasure that we want to be looking for. In fact, it says, Take no heed to yourselves in the Bible, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap also. So we need to reap good things, good deeds, good thoughts, and not just focus on ourselves. And it's sometimes hard to do because everything around us in the world gears people to think about themselves and what they want. First John 2, 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but of the world. So we need to be aware that the devil is wanting us to be distracted by all of the things and the pleasures of earth. And in order to do this, he puts it in advertisements and commercials and the radio and everywhere you look, you can see something that advertises something that may necessarily not be a good thing. But then people see it, they want it. Even stores do that sometimes, the way that they arrange things. It makes you go through the whole store in order to find the thing that you want. So you happen to see all these other things that you pass along the way and you're like, oh, I should get that or oh, that looks good or let me stop and get this. I hadn't thought of it before, but let me look at it. So this is what they gear us toward, to buy things unnecessarily. And it's very clever how it's done, but we often fall victim to it. And I know that sometimes I have myself fallen into that thing where somebody else gets something and I was like, oh, that looks really neat. I should get one too. And then I do. I don't necessarily need it, but I get it anyway just because I like it or want it. And now we have to be very careful, especially with the end of days coming, for it's very serious. We need to prepare our hearts and our lives for the Lord and for his coming, for where your heart is there, where your treasure be also. So if our heart is on the things of the earth, then that is where our treasure is. But if our heart is on the things of God and of heavenly things, then that is where our treasure is. And Jesus even told a parable saying that it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's true because we don't want to give up the things of this world. <laughs> it's very hard. We like our fancy things. We like our comforts. We like everything that we have. And while some of that may not be a bad thing, like a nice home and, and bed and clothes and food, other things might not be so necessarily like a fancy car. You can buy a very affordable car instead. It doesn't have to be the latest model. Same with your phones. Same with your technology. Just because there's an upgraded iPhone out there doesn't mean you have to get it or an upgraded Android or whatever it is you use. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of your old one. If your old one still works, use it. Don't necessarily buy a new one just because it's the latest thing out there. That's not spending your money wisely. Now, if it breaks, go ahead, get a new one because you need it and you have to get around, you have to call people, but don't just buy one to buy one. Now, Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another 
another as more important than yourselves. We need to look to each other and say, you know what? They are important too. What could I do for someone to make them happy today? Instead of focusing on me, 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 what can I do to make myself happy? But instead, oh, what sort of thing can I do to improve upon the lives of those around me? And with that sort of attitude filling us and motivating us, we will be better, happier people and better Christians as well. We are often filled with things in this life and we want the pleasures of life, like the impurity, the sensuality, the idolatry. All of these things draws us in from one point or another. And then it's different for each person. One person gets drawn in by food. One person gets drawn in by fashion. Another gets drawn in by whatever it might be. You get the idea. But we need to be on guard for the things that are going on around us because the Lord is watching us. Like Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We must seek the Lord first while he may be found and draw nigh unto him because there's going to come a day when it'll be too late to draw nigh to the Lord. We must seek him now while he may be found, not before he comes down to get us because then it'll be too late. We can't change. The only thing that we will be taking with us to heaven is our character. So we need to be working on that the most. Matthew 6, 24 says, Now man can serve two masters, for neither he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. This is so true. We cannot serve the Lord and serve the things of the earth at the same time. We must make a choice between the fancy things of earth or choose between what the Lord would have us to do. And Proverbs 15, 27, it says, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. James 4, 3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your loss. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. This is very true. The more that you have, the more that you want, and it just becomes this relentless cycle. The rich are never happy with their riches. They want more riches. They want more than what they have now. Money cannot buy a lot of things. It cannot buy you love. It cannot buy you happiness. It can buy you all of the fancy things you can have in the world, but that doesn't mean you will be happy because of it. In fact, some of the richest people have committed suicide because they're just not happy with what they have. They want more. They're seeking something that they don't know. They are seeking the love of Jesus, and they haven't discovered that when we love the Lord, we give to others, and giving does bring happiness. We need to understand that these things do not bring us happiness. Only the Lord can bring us true happiness, and by serving others, we can get that happiness, and by telling others of what the Lord has done for us and what the Lord can do for them. The Bible has much to say about greediness and selfishness. I encourage you to do a word search and study it for yourselves, because there's just so much here, especially the parable about the rich man. And we need to remember what Jesus gave as a commandment to us in John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to not covet. We need to not steal. We need to not do any of the things that it says in the, the Ten Commandments, but we also need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And by doing that, we need to think of our fellow man. And like the parable of the Good Samaritan where they asked, who is our neighbor? Jesus told them that their neighbor is anybody and everybody in this world. We must look out for 
everyone because everyone deserves to know the truth and have the opportunity to accept Jesus as their savior and have an opportunity to serve others as well. So once we know, we need to share so that they can then know and they share if they accept the truth. All we can do is present it to them. Now, I want to read some quotes about greed and selfishness. These are very solemn quotes, as we shall see. The Review and Herald, May 16, 1882, paragraphs 5 and 6 says, Like other gifts of God, the possession of wealth brings its increase of responsibility and its peculiar temptations. How many who have in adversity remained true to God have fallen under the glittering allurements of prosperity? With the possessions of wealth, the ruling passion of a selfish nature is revealed. The world is cursed today by the miserly greed and the self-indulgent vices of the worshippers of mammon. The wealthy are tempted to employ their means in self-indulgence, in the gratification of appetite, in personal adornment, or in the embellishment of their homes. For these objects, professed Christians do not hesitate to spend freely and even extravagantly. But when solicited to give to the Lord's treasury, to build up his cause, and to carry forward his work in the earth, many demur. The countenance that was all aglow with interest in plans for self-gratification does not light up with joy when the cause of God appeals to their liberality. Perhaps, feeling that they cannot well do otherwise, they dole out a limited sum, far smaller than they freely spend for needless indulgence. But they manifest no real love for Christ, no earnest interest in the salvation of precious souls. What marvel that the Christian life of this class is at best but a dwarfed and sickly existence. Unless such persons change their course, their light will go out in darkness. This is powerful. All of these quotes are powerful, but this is so true. When we are talking about the things that we like and what we want and we want to buy, we are all excited about it. But then the moment somebody's like, oh, could you donate to help a missionary? Could you help the orphans? Or could you give to feed the homeless? Or whatever the cause might be, we're like, well, I guess I could spare $5 or $10 or I'm just using that as an example. But it's like our amount that we want to give to help these causes is far less than what we would spend on any amusements that please us. Now, in our age, July 13th, 1886, paragraph two and three, it says, there exists in the hearts of many an element of selfishness which clings to them like the leprosy. They have so long consulted their own wishes, their own pleasure and convenience that they do not feel that others have claims upon them. Their thoughts, plans, and efforts are for themselves. They live for self and do not cultivate disinterested benevolence, which if exercised would increase and strengthen until it would be their delight to live for others' good. This selfishness must be seen and overcome, for it is a grievous sin in the sight of God. They need to exercise a more special interest for humanity, and in thus doing, they would bring their souls into closer connection with God and would be imbued with his spirit so that they would cleave to him with so firm a tenacity that nothing could separate them from his love. God will not excuse us for not taking up the cross and practicing self-denial. In doing good to others with unselfish motives, we may, if we will take the trouble to make the self-denial required of Christians, be qualified by the grace of God 
God to win souls to Christ. God has claims upon many of us to which we have never responded. There are those all around us who hunger for sympathy and love, but many of us are nearly destitute of that humble love which naturally flows out in pity and sympathy for the destitute, the suffering, and the needy. The human countenance itself is a mirror of the soul, read by others, and leaving a telling influence upon them for good or evil. God does not call upon any of us to watch our brethren and to repent of their sins. He has left us a work to do and calls upon us to do it resolutely in his fear with an eye single to his glory. There is a lot of things that we can take away from this. We must be self-denying. We must have that sympathy and love for others. We must seek out a way to help the destitute, the suffering, and the needy. And by doing this, by taking a special interest in, in humanity, we bring our souls closer to the Lord because of this. And we are imbued with his spirit and we will cleave to him so firm a tenacity that nothing can separate us from his love. I mean, that is amazing that doing these things for others will cultivate in us such benevolence and such a love for the Lord that nothing can separate us from it. I mean, I want that kind of relationship with the Lord. Don't you? I mean, that is an amazing thing to think about. I mean, just stop for a moment and consider what this is telling us, what it is saying. By doing good to others, we are doing good for ourselves. And that is a win-win situation. R.H. July 11th, 1899, paragraph 15 says, Christ is our example. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us, and he asked to give our lives as a sacrifice for others. Thus, we may cast out the selfishness which Satan is constantly striving to implant in our hearts. This selfishness is death to all piety and can be overcome only by manifesting love to God and to our fellow men. Christ will not permit one selfish person to enter the courts of heaven. No covetous person can pass through the pearly gates for all covetousness is idolatry. Wow. That is all I have to say is wow. Because if we have a selfish characteristic and we do not work to get rid of it, we will not be going into the courts of heaven because no covetous person can pass through the pearly gates. And not only that, it's idolatry. The things of this world, the selfishness, it's an idol. When we want something more than we want the Lord, when we want to be with him forever, it is an idol to us. And therefore, we need to work on it. And we all need to work on it because I think we all have a tendency to be very greedy and selfish and not take thought for other people. I mean, sometimes we do, and maybe our own friends and our family, but how often do we step outside of our comfort zone to help those in need? A lot of us can say not very often, and that is sad indeed. And we've all been guilty of that, I think. And we all need to do better on it by doing something for others, whatever that might be. And we talked about that some last week on the podcast, but it doesn't need to be just once a year. We need to be doing it throughout the year of what we can be doing for others. Don't just do it on Thanksgiving. Do it throughout the year. What can you do throughout the year to help those less fortunate around you? I mean, this is very important. There are so many Bible verses on the subject of greediness and the love of money, and there are parables telling us to look out for our fellow man, to not be greedy, that there are other things more important than ourself and the things that we want. So we are told over and over and over again how bad this thing is, yet somehow we still end up turning a blind eye to it. In ST January 12, 1891, paragraph 5, it says, 
God does not condemn prudence and foresight in the use of the things of this life, but he does condemn feverish ambition, undue anxiety concerning the things of the world. This spirit of greed and lust is in the world, all about us, but it will not do for us to float along with the current of covetousness that flows on all sides. We are to be laborers together with God. God has imparted to us moral powers and made us susceptible to the influences of his spirit. He has given his only begotten and well-beloved son as appropriation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world that we all might be reconciled to God. He has brought light and truth to our knowledge and we must use our powers in harmony with these saving agencies. We must with earnestness lay hold of the helps that God has provided. We must pray. We must study the scriptures. We must believe and obey the word of God. We must must make use of every opportunity and privilege God gives us, that we may make our calling and election sure. We are to be laborers together with God, for he will not complete his work without human cooperation. Jesus has made an infinite sacrifice in our behalf, and he expects far more of his followers than they give him. He looks for voluntary, zealous, disinterested effort and cooperation. The love of God has brought the treasures of heaven within in the reach of man. And shall we be indifferent to such love, to such opportunity? God is waiting. Angels are waiting to see what will be done by the people to whom have been committed the treasures of truth. Oh, if you who have been so highly favored of heaven fail to come up to the help of the Lord, what will be your doom? How will you escape? If you fail, it had been better that you had never been born. For not only will you lose heaven yourselves, but you will influence others by your example who will scatter from Christ. That is a very somber thought indeed. This paragraph is so heavy and it has a right to be because we do not think of the opportunities that have been afforded to us. We have such great and precious truth that we need to impart to others who are not as privileged as us to know the truth. Maybe once in your life you were there where these people are now. Maybe you were once in darkness and have come to see the light so you can better appreciate how these people are still in darkness so you understand more than others that you have an obligation to reach others that are also where you once were. These people don't even know what they're missing out on but we do because we have that light and it is our obligation to share that light with others and if we fail in helping the cause of the Lord and by committing the treasures of truth to our hearts and by helping those in need, we will not escape the judgment of the Lord. It would have been better if we had never been born. It makes me stop and really consider what I'm doing with my life and what I should be doing. And that is why these podcasts are so important, I think, not of anything I'm doing or because I'm such a great person or anything like that, but because I want to share the truth with others because I don't want people people to be lost because I want them to see that they can have what I have. The love of Jesus is amazing and we need to share that love with the world and that's why I am doing these podcasts so that people who do not know can learn and so that they can be shared with others and this is what we need to be doing. We need to be going out and passing out literature, passing out tracts, telling people, sharing with people and it doesn't matter if this means you don't have any 
friends. It doesn't matter if this means your family rejects you. It doesn't matter if it means you are kicked out of the church that you're going to. And it doesn't matter if all you are left with is yourself. We can never be alone when we are in the truth because the Lord is always with us. All of the sacrifices, all of the things that happen to us, it is a blessing because the Lord went through these same tribulations. People left him. People despised him. People tried to kill him. People will try to kill us in the last days. But the Lord will be with us through it all, no matter what may happen, no matter the tribulations. And we will need to praise the Lord through all of the trials that come our way. Blessed are those that are persecuted for the Lord's sake, the Bible says. And one of the things that we need to be doing is searching out those souls who are in need of that Savior, of our Savior. And we need to be doing good deeds to others. We need to stop focusing so much on ourselves, but focusing on how to give that truth to others so that they can see the love that we know ourselves. When we have something so wonderful, don't you want to share this exciting news? I mean, that is exactly what we do when we get a promotion at our job or get a new car or a new phone or, you know, something that we are proud to share off and show off. We're like, oh, it's so exciting. I got this and I did this or I went on an adventure and we're excited to tell those stories. We need to share that same enthusiasm with, guess what the Lord did for me? Guess what the Lord can do for you? This is the kind of enthusiasm that is needed and that will get us through the day. We need to surrender all if necessary to the Lord. That rich young man who came to the Lord and said, I've kept all these commandments. What else can I do? And the Lord's like, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he walked away sad because he wasn't willing to do that. If the Lord asked for us to give up something for him, no matter how hard it is for us to do, we need to be willing to do it because we know that the Lord has something better, far better in store for us in heaven. Now, I want you all to do a study about this yourself because as I said, there is a lot of things, not only in the Bible, but the spirit of prophecy that talks about greediness and selfishness and how we can overcome. And there's in these paragraphs a lot to take in. So contemplate them as well and do your own study about it because there's just so much more to be said on it. There's so much more that I could even talk about, but I think you get the idea. And so now you go and study it out for yourselves and share it with others. I want to sing this song, which fits perfectly in with this topic. It's I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all All to Thee my blessed Savior I surrender all All to Jesus I surrender Humbly at His feet I bow Worldly pleasures all forsaken Take me Jesus, take me now I surrender all I surrender all All to Thee my blessed Savior I surrender all
I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, Lord, I give myself to thee, fill me with thy love and power, let thy blessing fall on me, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender, now I feel the sacred flame, all oh, the joy of full salvation, glory, glory to his name, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And I want to surrender all to Jesus and give him everything that I have, whether it's time, money, or talent. I want it all to be used for the Lord. And I hope you want the same thing. I also wanted to add something else. It's from Christ Object Lessons 351.1 to 352.3. It says this, God also entrusts men with means. He gives them power to get well. He waters the earth with the dews of heaven and with the showers of refreshing rain. He gives the sunlight which warms the earth, awakening to life the things of nature and causing them to flourish and bear fruit. And he asks for a return of his own. Our money has not been given us that we might honor and glorify ourselves. As faithful stewards, we are to use it for the honor and glory of God. Some think that only a portion of their means is the Lord's. When they have set apart a portion for religious and charitable purposes, they regard the remainder as their own, to be used as they see fit. But in this, they mistake. All we possess is the Lord's, and we are accountable to him for the use we make of it. In the use of every penny, it will be seen whether we love God supremely and our neighbor as ourselves. Money has great value because it can do great good. In the hands of God's children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, and clothing for the naked. It is a defense for the oppressed and a means of help to the sick. But money is of no more value than sand, only as it is put to use in providing for the necessities of life, in blessing others and advancing the cause of Christ. Hoarded wealth is not not merely useless, it is a curse. In this life, it is a snare to the soul, drawing the affections away from the heavenly treasure. In the great day of God, its witness to unused talents and neglected opportunities will condemn its possessor. The scripture says, Go to now, ye rich man, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall bear witness against you, and shall eat your flesh 
flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. James 5, 1-4. But Christ sanctions no lavish or careless use of means. His lessons is economy. Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost, is for all his followers. John 6, 12. He who realizes that his money is a talent from God will use it economically and will feel it a duty to save that he may give. The more means we expend in display and self-indulgence, the less we can have to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Every penny used unnecessarily deprives the spender of a precious opportunity of doing good. It is robbing God of the honor and glory which should flow back to him through the improvement of his entrusted talents. This is a powerful little section and it speaks for itself. Our money is a talent and we must be careful with every single penny that we have. Remember what it says in Matthew 5:16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.